This is the Employee Experience and Education Podcast, the teacher retention podcast for school leaders, and I'm your host, Eric Brandstetter. In this podcast, we'll speak with educational leaders, former educators, and industry experts to better understand the employee experience in education. Our goal is to equip school leaders with realistic and actionable strategies to keep more teachers in the classroom. On this episode, we'll speak with Jolie Harden and Amy Spicer, both of which are executive directors of human resources at Henry County Schools. Jolie is a former school principal and led the district's leadership academy. Amy is a former teacher and graduation coach. Today, Jolie and Amy will share details about their three-year onboarding program, what to look for when finding and supporting leaders, their many efforts to recruit new staff, and how the employee experience can change the narrative in education. Jolie and Amy, thanks so much for joining us today. Love to hear about you personally and professionally, what you're working on before we get to the work. And Amy, I have to start with you because I've been told you have a pet pig. Is that right? I do have a pet pig and I did have two pet pigs, but we lost one in January. So now we just have one. Uh, She enjoys being uh, the only pig nowadays and uh, she's about 350 pounds and lives in our backyard. Yes, (laughs) she's a friend, not food. (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness. That's that's huge. I had no idea. <laughs> yes. So what about professionally? What's the work that you do at Henry County Schools? Yeah. So uh, currently executive director of employment for Henry County Schools. And uh, my team uh, handles everything from recruitment, retention, position control, hiring, uh, posting of positions, and certainly um, filling those positions with qualified candidates. Um, so a lot of uh, recruitment, retention, and uh, the compensation component for the school district. And Julie, what about you? Well, I am executive director of employment services, but Amy and I work so closely together that our department's really, uh, without the work of her department, my department really can't run. So we, when Amy recruits and um, she they hire, then we do onboarding, we do induction, uh, we do FMLA, we do some development. We have a really big teacher induction program that is, uh, you know, managed by Dr. Lisa Manross, who is absolutely amazing and is the model uh, for uh, running an induction program for large school systems or small school systems. Going to put a plug in for her right there. Um, and uh, and so really, you know, the employee experience, the life cycle. Amy and I are really on the front end of the life cycle. And then our division goes into a little bit of the development, but then we have another executive director who really does performance management and um, and then retirement. So the benefits side of it. So we, you know, we all work together. We seem we're one big team. Um, I was a principal for 11 years. I ran a leadership academy here in Henry County for five years. And uh, then my department was moved to human resources where I was became the executive director. Great. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. So it sounds like with with the entire employee life cycle, I mean, there's a lot of parts and components, you know, just to name a few, uh, it's recruiting, it's onboarding, induction, development, retention, and hopefully then retirement within your organization. So when you're thinking about all those different steps, all the different people and departments that are involved in that, what would you say you're doing really well right now? And then maybe more importantly, how did you get to the point where you have so much confidence in that system and process? 
one thing we're doing really well is um, inducting uh, new teachers. And so I'm going to let Jolie talk a little bit about that uh, with the work uh, that her team's doing in that regard. So Lisa Manross, Dr. Manross has been working with the induction program. Um, she and I have been working together for seven years. We were in a different department together and moved up here to human resources. And so we had what we called a teacher induction program, which was a you know three days of tip and um, is what they called it. And, you know, of course, New teachers would, you know, come to the sessions and then they would go back to their schools. But we didn't really have an induction program that lasted the induction years, the zero to three years. Mm -hmm. So when Lisa became the coordinator for induction services, she already had some things in place, but she really strengthened it with school level mentors, lead mentors. So if it was a school that had maybe 15 new teachers, she made sure there were two mentors in the building. Um, she was able to secure funding through, um, you know, really budgeting through our division and through some Title IIA funds to be able to find some uh, funds to be able to pay the those who are, you know, attending and then those who are mentoring. But then she also extended it to what we call heart. So now these new induction teachers, while they were part of the five days of induction where they spent three days learning about Henry County and about content, then they spent two days and then they spent two days at their school. Then they had a year of sessions to attend. And Lisa, every month she would do a needs assessment and the participants would let her know what they need and she would develop the next session based on their needs. So it wasn't a one size fits all. It was really tailored to what they needed. So if classroom management seemed to be an issue for people. She would find, you know, uh, staff members who could train or, you know, help teachers go visit, model, coach, whatever's needed. And then just recently we have developed, um, we were going outside the internal employees and hiring coaches, performance coaches, teacher effectiveness coaches for our induction teachers because we saw a decrease in induction retention. And while we knew that the the program itself, as far as the training, the upfront training and then the year-long training was beneficial based on surveys, they needed that one-on-one coaching from somebody who could actually stay in their classrooms with them and then give them immediate feedback in addition to the school level administrators. So we we secure funding for that to hire six part-time effectiveness coaches, and we're going to move forward with that in the next couple of weeks. We posted the job. Lisa will be doing some interviews, and we're going to find the best candidates based on what schools need. Because there are certain clusters that may have more teachers, more new induction teachers, and she may be able to focus a couple just specifically on that cluster, uh, which we were, we, we've been working on for a couple of years now, so we were able to to secure that and move forward. So super excited about that. I, I really believe that's one of our strongest components in the employee life cycle. You know, we were at 98% retention rates for, you know, induction teachers, but then, you know, post pandemic we've dropped. Amy, what do you want to add? I, I said a whole lot. No, that was great. And uh, you, you defined the program so well. Uh, just wanted to add, you know, with that induction program, we're trying to get ahead of the data that, shows us that about 44% of uh, teachers in zero to five years leave the profession. So what can we do to really capture those teachers and uh, and get them to stay? And so one of that is a great induction program. 
which Jolie and her team do a fabulous job with. We also created an induction program or support for our support employees as well. So we have, and that was this year. So this year was the first year we really rolled it out for year-long sessions. So if you're a para-pro or if you're a nutrition or if you're a bus driver in maintenance, secretarial, yeah. So now we have an induction program for those job families as well. So super proud about that. Interesting. And what what's the role of the building level principal? So it sounds like you have the, the coaches that come in, the teacher affecting this coaches that sit down, do observations, provide support. How does the principal fit into that equation? Well, of course, the principal is the main evaluator. So what we want to do is make sure that the teachers have uh, you know a skill set that will help them be successful in their classroom. So when their evaluator, principal or assistant principal walks in, they're able to uh, show that they are really strong in, you know, teacher um, teaching strategies or, you know, whatever, whatever the schools or the, or our district's strategic plan is asking uh, teachers to do, our coaches go in and just sort of strengthen their skill set. We, we also have instructional and personalized learning leads in each school. So those individuals also coach, but you're, you're looking at one individual for sometimes 50, 60, 70 employees, 70 teachers. So we're focused primarily on the induction teachers. And so these coaches will go in and work with them. The mentors go in and work with them. So when the principals do walk in to evaluate, that they are um, able to to demonstrate, you know, really strong uh, pedagogy and content knowledge, depending classroom management, depending on what their area of need was out of the gate as an induction teacher. Yeah. And the principal, too, is uh, they great at certainly supporting uh, all teachers, but specifically as we talk about new teachers with the induction program, and they're great at reaching out uh, to Dr. Man Ross and saying, you know, this is what specifically this teacher needs. Um, can you provide some extra guidance there, or do you have somebody you can send out? Hence the coaches that uh, we've just posted. Okay. So the principal kind of acts as the connector then, making sure that the induction teacher has the levels of supports, the types of supports, the frequency of supports that are needed. Right. And the principal certainly provides supports and um, and strategies for that teacher. But now we've got an extra set of hands that can come in and help as well, because, as you know, the teacher, uh, the principal has lots of moving parts in that building. So and, and the mentor that's in the building has been trained by Lisa as well. So they go through a training. So they are also the liaison uh, between the new teacher um, and Lisa, and they work with the principal as well. So, but, but like I said, some schools may have 15 new teachers and then you have a teacher who's also trying to teach, but also mentor a group of teachers. So, um, you know, it, it it can get difficult. So that's when Lisa sends in the additional support. A lot of times for a couple of years, it was just her. She was the one going out to schools and she was spending hours and hours and hours in schools with new teachers. So we were finally, like I said, get it, you know, to where we could fund it, um, you know, for outside people to come in. Sure. And really scale that process for you. And you mentioned, so how are you able to collect the information that the, the induction teachers need? You, you mentioned surveys. Is that the primary method? You survey induction teachers maybe every month. Data from that then goes into planning for the next sessions. Yes. Uh-huh. Through, through surveys, Lisa sends out a Google, you know, a Google survey to the new teachers. And the mentors also use a walkthrough. So they were they're able to go in, uh, do some walkthroughs, get that data to Lisa and then when Lisa meets with the mentors, they look for common threads with that walkthrough data, and then they determine what is needed to go back and, and support in the building. Okay. 
So what about relationships? How, how, do you, how do you increase the number of relationships with your induction teachers and kind of assimilate them within the general staff at each building? Because part of what makes a great employee experience is you have people you know, like, and trust that are around you. And it sounds like there's a great support system within the induction teachers. What's that look like to make sure that they do assimilate with everybody else in their buildings? Well, the meetings once a month with other heart teachers is one way that we connect. So we can connect within our building, but we can also connect district wide because when we meet with those, we might meet based on content. So, you know, this session, we might have all the uh, CTAE teachers together. Now we might have all the health and PE teachers together, all the early childhood K through two teachers together. So they have an opportunity to collaborate uh, with other induction teachers at those heart sessions and then they build relationships from there where they feel like they can reach out to somebody else that might be outside their building if that's what they need but certainly uh, within their building as well uh, because the mentors are meeting with them uh, regularly inside the building. And, and Lisa really works hard to establish I feel like I should just go knock on her door and get her to come in here and have this conversation. You know, she really works hard to create these professional learning communities where they are constantly connected. Um, and like Amy said, we do have we do have what is called Henry Connects. So content and lessons and unit plans and all of the curriculum needed is on what we call Henry Connects. So there's this one stop shop for teachers to have access to instructional material. Right. So we, we know that is taken care of. What we want to do is build a community of learners for teachers to be able to learn together and um, share best practices. And so Lisa really facilitates that in her monthly sessions where she can get the first grade teachers together or the second grade teachers together or the PE teachers together or CTAE teachers. And they're able to really share and uh, work together what you know what's what's working in their classrooms what's not working what are they seeing that they're not getting from their schools that they may need additional support um, from the induction program but Lisa also makes sure that the mentors understand the importance of knowing that induction teachers feel safe supported and they have a space to be able to discuss how they're feeling um, if they are you know, to a point where their frustration level is high, their grade level teammates are not um, sharing with them, or if there are generation gaps on a team where, you know, you have a lot of veteran teachers and some brand new millennials and that they don't see eye to eye on certain, uh, you know, teaching, you know, and teaching philosophies, which we see a lot. So Lisa tries to make sure that the mentors are aware and they have strategies to use or in, in, and they can put in place to eliminate those barriers. Um, because, it, and of course, the principals also understand through the mentors what their role and responsibilities are. The principals that here in Henry County have done a phenomenal job of welcoming and making their new teachers feel as though they've been part of the staff. Because one, we know how hard it is to get teachers at this point, and two, we know how hard it is to retain them. And so I think, you know, just recognizing that in the last two years, our principals have really bolstered um, their, I don't, I don't really know how to, how to put this without sounding, I don't, want the, I don't want it to sound like they weren't doing it before, but really their, their value and appreciation for teachers. So I think that's been really helpful. Did I answer your question? That was perfect. I appreciate okay. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know, Julie, you've leaned on the leadership development side 
in your in your past, right? Making sure that you're finding quality leaders, developing quality leaders. Um, we know the principal has such an influence on what it's like to work in the building. And that's what the employee experience is. It's what is it like to work here as a teacher, as a paraprofessional, as a leader? So when you're recruiting and developing leaders, what what are you looking for? What what is it? Can you identify somebody who can create that positive employee experience? What are the characteristics you're looking for? What is that quality principle with regard to the employee experience in your opinion? Wow. That you know that's that's a that's a big question right there because when you think about who we're looking to fill positions in Henry County, one, you have to be you have to be knowledgeable about strategic execution of plans. And so out of the gate, we have to know that you're able to 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 take our strategic plan, have your school improvement plan run parallel and be able to show outcomes that are moving the district forward. So that's first and foremost. Do they have the ability to do that? And then, of course, because we know that 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 that's the hard work of being a principal is is being able to find that balance. I know what I need to do in my building, but I know what the district is also expecting me to do. How do I balance both of them and find a way to be successful? We have to be able to find people who um, who know how to value, who understand the value of the work teachers are doing. In order to find that out, we've sort of shifted the way that we interview candidates now and we move towards behavior-based or behavior event interviewing where we really think through or get them to think through a, a process that they went through. And we ask a lot of questions about them. What were you feeling at this time? What were you thinking? Um, and, you know, we were trained, several of us were trained um, on how to do this behavior event interviewing. And I'm telling you, we have seen people who in the interview, they're able to answer really well textbook, you know, textbook answers. But then when they get in the behavior event, we realize that um, the decisions were made in isolation or they did not take into account how teachers were feeling. So we do look for people who can understand processes, understand the value of collaboration, understand the value of voice and not afraid to and and will not feel threatened by people who are smarter than them in their building or people who may have, you know, really innovative ideas. And so we look for all of that. We also have a leadership framework here in Henry County that, um, you know, is also considered when interviewing candidates. But as far as when we're doing screening, Amy, wouldn't you agree? We look for those items, not items, but we look for those uh, characteristics because leading here in Henry County is different from leading in any other district. So I could go to another district and they may say, I need somebody who can analyze data. I'm not worried about the relationship part. I'm worried about this. But here in Henry, we are trying to find a really solid balance between strategic execution, valuing the you know employees, mental health, students, mental health, um, there, there's just so much. I, I feel like I could probably talk for three hours on, you know, what we look for. And then I will say, you know, too, we have a local school council at each of our schools and we incorporate the local school council into the um, the interviewing process, so to speak, for uh, the school principal and really meet with them and what the local school council is looking for in the next leader. And they are part of one of the rounds of the interviews. So we make sure that we're meeting the needs of the school and the community and what they are also looking for in a leader. So a lot of a lot of various components go into finding the, the per- perfect principal. Oh, of course. And it's, it's such a multifaceted, there's not a science behind it. You're revolving 
as you talk to more people, as the world evolves, you're changing possibly what you're looking for. I didn't hear anything about instructional leadership. And the reason I say that is because our previous guest, his experience was he felt like he had to be a hundred percent instructional leader and a hundred percent management slash people leader. Well, 200% isn't sustainable. And he's feeling that personally and professionally as well. So I'm curious, it's kind of a, a chicken and the egg thing, if you will, because you need quality teachers because that's, that's the what of school, which is we want to have student success. The how of school is the teachers. So how do you approach this idea of instructional leadership versus kind of this people management? Yeah. And for us, I think uh, Jolie and I are uh, so accustomed to it. The instructional leadership comes through that uh, implementation of that strategic plan, because that's where sure. that's embedded. Sure. So I think that uh, Jolie said that without really saying the word instructional leader, uh, but that is also big on the the top the top of the list um, as well. Uh, but go back to your question again. How do we how do we do what? <laughs> yeah. So what what's the balance of that? Especially with you know we'll get into how short staffed everybody is right now in just a minute. So you want to create this environment where people are raising their hand and saying, I choose to stay here because it is a choice, right? People can choose to stay or they can choose to go. People choose to stay in a place where they're appreciated, where they're heard, where they're supported. But you also have the work of schools, which is ensuring student success. What's that balance in your mind? Uh, you, you want me to take this, Amy? So I, I do have to say one of the things that we've um, implemented, and I don't really want to say implemented. It's really a process that was strengthened was using schools leadership teams to become the instructional team in the building. So years past year, the leadership team would make decisions about field trips or, you know, operational items. But we have shifted from all of that to a very instructional focused where every school has a 90 day instructional plan and they have action steps and they are to monitor those action steps and then report to the assistant superintendents or the senior directors of each cluster or, or yeah, of each cluster now. So it doesn't just fall on the shoulders of the principal and the assistant principal. Now it falls on the shoulders of the leadership team. So you have your strongest instructional leaders on that team and, and they meet and they, you know, are the ones who are responsible for ensuring that teachers have, like I said, we have the one-stop shop. So the, the, what is there, the how in best practices is really the responsibility of the leadership team now. So some schools have an operational team uh, in addition to the instructional team. But if when the assistant superintendent walks into a school, she doesn't just sit down and meet with the principal. She meets with the leadership team and she does not want the principal to answer the questions posed about what they're seeing in the building. It's the leadership team who will answer the questions because they're the ones who are supposed to be you know, strengthening the practices. So um, we've really worked to take that entire load off of principals or just principals and assistant principals. And really, you know, we, we pay for grade level chairs. We pay for, you know, we have stipends for the leadership team. So just, you know, their work, their scope of work is changing. They're pivoting from just sitting in a room, making decisions about times and dates and, you know, vendors to, you know, being able to come back and show evidence of people on their grade level and their content area, you know, um, you know, in the, in the assessment information, improving their outcomes, improving. So that's been really powerful. And, you know, they've, they've been through a lot of the schools have been through various trainings 
And so that's the expectation. So it's it goes without when I say strategic execution, like Amy said, it encompasses that's part of that's part of the, the strategic plan is that collaboration piece and that um, those leadership teams working with the leadership to ensure that the, the building is um, or the, the teaching strategies are the expect one, the expectation of what Henry County, how teachers should be presenting material or how, you know, they should be the resources that they should be using um, and also collecting data to create another 90 day plan. Once the first 90 day plan is up to move forward with that data. So, yeah. So Amy, I don't know if you would proclaim yourself to be a, an HR ninja. I know Jolie refers to you as that. No, I'm not. She really, she really is. So I know you're on the the recruiting end of yes. this, and you know we've talked about staffing, yes. you know, not ad nauseum so far, but I want to dig into staffing a little bit with yeah. you now. Um, you know, I've talked to a lot of HR leaders and superintendents who lament the days that they would have 50 applicants for every position, and they could sit down and they could interview and they could say, you know, I'm I'm being really picky here, but this is why I'm choosing you and not somebody else. Well, the candidate pool is now more like a mud puddle for a lot of people. And I, I mean no disrespect to those that are looking for education jobs because they're highly needed right now. But the reality is the number of candidates just isn't out there like it used to be. So how how are you approaching this? How are you recruiting? How are you? And another massive question. I know you're doing a lot of work in this right now, but as you think about where we are as a as a profession right now, what, what's your attempt to recruit the best possible people for Henry County Schools? Right. And so that is a great question and something that every HR uh, department across K-12 is is certainly dealing with. Um, it, it the, the times are tough, not going to lie there, um, but we... Um, we try to be innovative in our approach. We have a couple of different models. Uh, certainly, you know, I'll go back to the induction, really inducting those zero to three year teachers very well to keep them. Because if you're retaining educators, recruiting might not be quite so difficult if we can retain the ones we have. All right. So if you really focus on retention, then recruiting doesn't become such a, a you know, a big deal as it is right now. So A, we really want to f- focus on retaining, but B, as far as recruiting, we it's partnerships you have with colleges. So right now, you know, we're heavy on our student teachers. So let's get as many student teachers as we can into Henry County schools, because then we want to, um, you know, teach them the Henry County way, and then we want to hire them within their first year. All right. So student teaching is a uh, a great way. Um, and I encourage other HR departments, if it's not housed in HR, in many school systems, it's housed in maybe learning and performance curriculum, professional development. When it's housed in HR, you can really make connections. And so um, our recruiter uh, for our certified staff is Sherelle Neal, and she has great relationships with our student teachers. And she goes out and checks on them periodically throughout the school year is another level of support because we want them to intern uh, be hired with us. Um, we have an intern as teacher program where we partner with several of our local colleges to bring in interns. Um, they would normally be a student teacher, but instead they're part of our intern program because these were um, candidates who were identified to be ready to be a teacher of record in their final year. And so we partner them with a master teacher and, um, and that master teacher supervises two interns uh, throughout the day. And so that's another way to fill a vacancy and provide a teacher with a teacher leadership opportunity. Um, so those are just a couple of things to um, 
we're fortunate in Henry uh, to be large enough, and we do have uh, two dedicated uh, recruitment and retention facilitators, uh, one for certified staff and one for support staff, but they certainly uh, work very well together. Uh, and we, um, if one's not available to do one, and we interview every day, we go in AppleTrack and we, that's our application system, and we look and see who applies every single day. And we reach out and make contact with those individuals. And then we um, do a, you know, 10 or 15 minute screening within the HR department. And then we can, uh, from that, get a good feel of where to connect these candidates. Um, so we are fortunate enough uh, to have those two individuals to do to do that work for us, uh, which certainly helps the principals as well. Oh, sure. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's a lot of initiatives. It's a lot of time, energy mm-hmm. and focus into recruiting candidates. And part of it, you didn't use the word branding, but part of what I heard you say is making sure that Henry County is seen in a positive light, right? Within the community, probably telling stories is an important part of recruiting people and letting people know there's a major impact that you can make, you know, in the community on individual people's lives. Yeah, our communication division does a great job uh, with that. And we tell uh, principals to tell to tell your story as well on social media. Um, and so we certainly uh, try to tell a story through uh, an HR lens. Um, and then it's also too where where can you recruit? You know, we have a Teach Georgia website here in Georgia where we post vacancies. Uh, we have uh, started posting lots of vacancies on Indeed and receiving good feedback from there. Um, are you part of your local community? Are you going out when there is a fair at the local park? And are you setting up a table to recruit? Um, we've talked about we have a square up here in McDonough and setting up a table one Saturday afternoon, right? And just uh, being available. So uh, we always have a, a big geranium festival uh, in McDonough every May and our transportation uh, department makes sure that there's a table set up uh, right here in our own parking lot because we have so many people walking by. So churches, use your faith-based organizations to, to help you recruit, um, get in front of those uh, churches and congregations. And so you just have to think outside the box. And am I doing everything to get the name out there so that people know and understand what, what you're hiring for? Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, you may not have an answer for this, but if you, if you think through the strategies that you've tried, what would you say has been the most effective so far? And I know it's a combination of things. Like you can't do a job fair without the storytelling, for example. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned reaching out to colleges, making mm-hmm. sure that your intern program is solid, student teachers are solid. Have you found one of those to be most effective for recruiting new staff? Right. So we um, in in Georgia, we are a strategic waiver district and we can waive teacher certification in certain areas when we feel it's necessary. And so we do have to utilize our strategic waiver uh, in some fields and hire individuals who are not yet certified. So um, they do meet other requirements that we set forth. And we, what we do is we create what's called an individual certification plan for those individuals. And we kind of outline, you know, what is needed and give them dates in which to um, reach those goals. So if maybe you lack uh, the certification test, well, we need you to take that test by X number, X date, and then now you're eligible for a certificate. So it's always our goal to have everybody um, professionally certified, but we do utilize the waiver. And since we have been doing that, it has opened the pool up for us, uh, which I sure. failed to mention uh, in the last uh, conversation, but, but that has um, really helped us be able to recruit in some of those hard to fill areas. And in addition to that, we also partner with three international companies and we um, have hire international teachers in the areas, primarily 
uh, math, science, and special education. And so that has helped us. Uh, we, up until last year, uh, partnered with two um, different companies, and then we brought a third one on, and that has certainly been beneficial. Uh, So not one, I think all together, they all work very well. I don't know that there's one specific one. I will say that, um, you know, even pre-pandemic, we would go to a college and there would be, you know, 150 teacher ed candidates. And now you go to a college and you might see 25 teacher ed candidates. And out of those 25, there might be, you know, five available because the other 20 are student teaching and they've already been given a contract in that district. So, um, so it's really tough right now, and um, there are teacher ed programs that are closing throughout the throughout the state, and that and that is sad because of low you know low enrollments. Um, but you know, I know we focus primarily on uh, certified and teachers, but it is you know bus drivers has been a, a challenge for us. So we've tried to implement some incentives and um, and various uh, different things so that we can recruit more bus drivers uh, to stay with us. So it's. It's tough right now, but we're but we're making it. It's challenging. And I think so what's interesting to me about college recruitment, for example, is the employee experience in education has been not great for a, for a while. You know, part of that's political, part of that is the narrative that's being told. Things like Facebook, you know, you have a loud parent that's upset at somebody that gets pervasive, it kind of carries through. But I think when schools start thinking about maybe more intentionally you know, how do we make this a great place for people to work? How do we make it so people choose to stay? Your, your, um, the induction program, perfect example, your retention rates are really high because you have a three-year plan that sets that person up for success. So my hypothesis here is if and when we create this positive employee experience, that the idea, the narrative behind teaching gets more positive, people get more excited about it, start to enroll in more and it's, it comes down to what's our retention plan? How are we going to keep people here? And then you have this domino effect that right. happens as a result of that. Well, I was going to say, and it's also part of, um, you know, starting to grow your own. That is a big initiative that I failed to mention that we use in Henry County, um, starting with, um, you know, our teaching as a profession pathway students and really um you know, sometimes at career days, we have all careers there, but then where where are the teachers there, right? So trying to identify a future educator in every classroom, starting all the way down at kindergarten and all the, and all the way up to know and, and get them enrolled in the teaching as a profession pathway. And we have future educator signing day every year, which is a state initiative through the Georgia Department of Education, where we really highlight those uh, individuals who say they're going into a, um, a, ed prep program. And then the goal is to bring them back home after they graduate in, in four years. So, um, and then Henry just also implemented our, talk about the retired teachers, Jolie. Well, we did a lot of work with the retired teachers, Amy. So we, um, you know, House Bill 385 uh, in, in Georgia allows retired teachers to come back and receive, they can come back and work full time, receiving full pay. And so we were able to create a retired to hired is what we're calling it sort of uh, initiative where we have several options for retired teachers where they could come back work full time. They can, of course, come back work 49 percent. They can sub if they're not quite sure if they want to be back full time. They can sub at a higher rate. And so we really tried to reach out to our retired teachers as well, specifically the content areas, science, math and um, special education. And so we are recruiting, re-recruiting those 
who retired come back and work for us uh, in those critical areas. And we've had some success with that. And really, it's been a lot of fun to talk to them. Some of them were a little nervous at first because if they were away from the district for a couple of years, they know that um, with the strategic plan, things change. They wanted to be sure that they were a good fit. But we, we also make sure that the principals provide a lot of support for them going back into uh, the building. So we've had probably, what would you say, Amy? 10 to 15? I was going to say at least 10, uh, so probably a little more. And some of those come back in, in under House Bill 385. But then uh, the state also allows individuals to work three months full time. So some of them might say, I don't want to give you 12 months, but I'm certainly willing to give you three months until you can, you know, post the position and find a qualified candidate. So talk about branding and really telling your story. We really did that this summer when the state, you know, with our communication division to get something out about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's great. Mm-hmm. That's great. So I, I love to end conversations with you sharing some kind of a celebration. So Julie, do you want to start? What what celebration could be personally, could be professionally? What do you want to share with the audience today? I have had a great 28 and a half years in education and I will be retiring in December. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Um, that is a celebration, a personal celebration. Um, but I don't see myself uh, leaving the education arena at all. I see, you know, I'm, I may be one of those retired to hired employees because my heart is always in education, but um, a celebration really is professionally is being able to um, be part of this human resources division and my career in a division that is, is so well-respected and considered so responsive. And Amy, Amy is a reason for that. Uh, our employees love her, working with her, learning from her and, um, you know, just being able to to spend the last three, four years, Amy, has it been has it been almost four years together, uh, trying to think innovatively to me has been a celebration um, and a growth experience. So, Amy, what about you? What's a celebration you want to share? Everything Jolie said except the retiring part. No, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, you know, personally, I've worked in Henry County Schools for over 25 years. So when you in in various capacity, I started as a school office assistant and now and I've been a teacher in between and a grad coach and, and in HR today. So I will say um, one thing I love is that, first of all, Henry County Schools is a great place to live and work and uh and I wouldn't be here for 25 years if it was not. And the value that Henry County Schools places on their employees uh, to me is really um, second to none. And I can say that because I hear other people coming and saying, oh, my HR department never did that. Or oh, my previous school district, you know, never did that. I personally don't really have anything to compare it to because this is where I've spent my career. But I certainly listen to people who come, which is one thing that you can really listen to your employees to make some of your processes and and procedures even better. And so we really just try to grow and learn from the employee experience. If we have an employee who didn't have a great positive onboarding experience, I want to hear from them. And we want to change our processes so that we can make sure that doesn't happen to the next person. So we really listen and, uh, and value our employees. That's what teachers want. That's what staff wants. They want to feel heard, supported, and valued. It sounds like you are intentionally focusing on that. So thank you very much uh, for being here. Thanks for the work that you're doing. Henry County Schools, I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having us. It was a real pleasure. Thank you for what you're doing. All right, take care. All right, thank you. Our goal at the end of every episode is to have a student in the guest's life say thank you to or tell a story about a teacher who's made an impact on them. 
Today we have Eli saying thank you to Ms. Burge. The teacher I want to thank today is Ms. Burge. Ms. Burge was my third grade teacher and she was one of the best that I've ever had. I would not be near as the person I am today if it weren't for her and so I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for this kind message, Eli, and thank you to Ms. Burge for influencing so many lives. If you haven't yet today, go thank an educator for all they're doing for us. This has been the Employee Experience in Education podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and don't forget to leave a review. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.